You're listening to OMAG All Access, a podcast about all things affecting municipalities in Oklahoma, hosted by OMAG Risk Management Specialist, Kip Pritchard. Hi, this is Kip Pritchard with OMAG's All Access podcast, and today I've got a couple of guests, Bill Young and Cody Vineyard from OG&E Safety Services and Fleet Operations, and we're going to talk about safe backing practices and uh, what you can do to uh, prevent spending a lot of money out of your budget on uh, your backing and things. So, Bill, introduce yourself to us. Well, Kip, it's a pleasure to be here today. My name is Bill Young. I am uh, a former Edmundite, so kind of getting back home up here, but um, live in Oklahoma City now and work for OG&E as the manager of safety services, uh, which um, kind of encapsulate some of the um, business operations other than power supply and and you know, transmission and distribution, which includes fleet operations and facilities and construction uh, maintenance along with uh, our U- uh, UTS capital project work and some other contractor uh, work that we do with our T&D friends. And how about you, Cody? Tell us a little bit about you. Uh, my name is Cody Vineyard. Uh, I'm a uh, safety specialist for og and I uh, work in Bill Young's group. The areas that I cover have been uh, kind of vast over the course of uh, the almost 14 years that I've been at OG&E. But uh, over the last six years uh, within safety services, I've had fleet services uh, in our facilities construction group, our facilities maintenance group, and our warehousing group. So with that, there's lots of miles driven with uh, all of our different technicians and and uh, warehousing group that's, you know, we got 27 warehouses around the state, so they do a lot of driving. So uh, get a lot of a lot of issues that come up and a lot of, you know, really cool ways to try to practice good driving safety. And backing and parking, I imagine for OG&E, it's just like it is for our cities and towns. We have, you know, little dings and bangs and backup problems and things like that. So what are some of the programs and policies that you guys have instituted for your drivers to help prevent uh, backing accidents that cause injuries and property damage? Well, Kip, I think first and foremost, probably the most significant thing we've done, implement a 360 process, which means the expectation is anytime you prepare to enter your vehicle before you do so, uh, you do a 360 trip around the vehicle. And that's not intended to be just a, um, a walk around. It's supposed to be a, a physical review of the vehicle and what may be under the vehicle and what may be in your pathway, whether you're backing or pulling forward. We're not uh, unlike many other companies. Uh, we have had you know, a number of um, low speed contact collisions with uh, gas meters and mailboxes and building structures and uh, signpost. So it's, it's, it's just a common problem that's not unique to any particular uh, industry or sector. Uh, but uh, we do believe that doing a 360 is absolutely critical part of being able to prevent uh, these types of uh, incidents from occurring. Not too long ago, uh, it was, well, it was this year, but it was in, in the colder months of 22, I went out to get into OGE Impala that's parked in the corporate garage, which belongs to Oklahoma City. It's adjacent to the OGE corporate tower. And so this Impala was parked on the uh, second floor, and I was with uh, another OGE member. And uh, 
as we approached the, the vehicle, I went to the front, and normally, you know, if, we're, if there's two of us, we'll kind of split that up. I'll take half the vehicle, and the other person will take half the vehicle. And when I went to the front, there was a homeless person under the vehicle. And I said, excuse me, sir, excuse me. And the person that was with me would go, what, what? And I said, no, I'm talking to this person. And uh, I finally got the person woke up, and I said, you're going to have to leave before I can move the vehicle. And so they got up and got their, their belongings. But, um, you know, it, it, uh, you don't catch those things unless you do a 360 of the vehicle. But also, that process should be looking at your travel path, whether that's forward or backwards. Even though you may be, we try in, in our process, our first option is to park in a pull-through. Mm-hmm. That's our first option. Uh, but even if you're in a pull-through, you need to check your travel path forward. And obviously, if you're having to back, you need to check your travel path in that uh, direction also as part of your 360. Recently, I've been reading up a lot on this stuff, and I'm finding out that uh, a lot of companies are using or providing information with their drivers as to the blind spot distance for their particular vehicles. I know you guys have a lot of different size vehicles. You've got cars and SUVs and pickups and big trucks with uh, booms on them and things like that. And then also you have taken accordance, uh, the, the height of the driver, you know, to determine how much distance do I have for a backup space? Do you all have anything implemented like that within your policies and procedures? I don't believe we have anything that does specifically address that particular item. Do you recall, Cody? Uh, not specifically, no. We do have rear-facing cameras that allow us to look look behind uh, if you're backing up, uh, backing into a spot, that type of thing. And it's got uh, measurements that are set up on there that you know it tells you if you get to within the red line, you're within a foot uh, of that object that's on the uh, on those cameras. So, and that's something that you know when you purchase, like with the fleet, you know, you can spec out the different types of vehicles and what equipment's available on those vehicles and so that's one of the things that we do also there's rear sonar uh, so that it gives you a beeping tone that uh, you know is audible to the to the driver as they're backing up the closer they get the faster the tone beeps to a solid and that means you're within you know close proximity to an object okay and that's in your fleet purchasing those are one of the things that you look at and Purchasing new vehicles, yes. the sonar and the uh, the backup camera, which they're good tools. They sh- you don't want to rely on them completely. You know, you still need to do your your legwork beforehand. Do your three sixty walk around, looking around, checking for you know any objects that may be there. And on really rainy or slushy or you know days, those backup cameras a lot of times you know they're covered up and you can't really see much with them. So uh, that's good information. Well, that's exactly right, Kip. The camera are not a substitute for a 360, and for a good visual observation of your travel path, it's layers of protection. Uh, but your first layer of protection is that actual 360 around the vehicle and the the visual look of the travel path. 
Yeah, I'm a, a big fan of the 360 walk around, I, and I'm hoping that our cities and towns will implement that policy and procedure. We were talking about a story that uh, an event that happened a few years back with an OG&E employee. Could you guys go back over that story a little bit about the guy finding the kid in his wheel well? Sure. That um, that happened with one of um, our, our OGE uh, member that um, works the Midwest City area at the time, uh, Chris Purcell. And he had worked a ticket and had went back to his truck. Uh, as he approached his truck, he did a 360 and all was clear. Uh, but he got in his truck to perform some paperwork duties based on what he had just done on the job site. And it, it took him a few minutes. And when he completed, he thought, I probably ought to do another 360. He gets out and he does the 360. And as he's going, coming around the back of the, the bucket truck, in front of the rear duels was a small toddler. And if he had not done that 360, he could have pulled away from that scene and ran over that small child. Yeah, which would have been a bad claim for the, the uh, uh, company, but worst off for the, the worker himself. He would have well, had to live with that for the rest of his life. That's exactly right. And so those are the kind of things that we want to, you know, prevent. And then there's the, the little things, you know, backing up and not seeing the building or the sign or the trash can. I like to pull through parking where you, if you're going into a big parking lot like Walmart or something and you can not park close to the spot, but park out there in the South 40 where nobody's really parked and pull through and that way you've got good vision. You can see what's all around you as you're walking out to your vehicle and making sure you're not going to run over some little old lady, you know, with a cart full of groceries and things like that. OMAG All Access would like to thank you for listening to this podcast. For your time, we would like to offer you the chance to win a pair of OMAG All Access Bluetooth headphones. To enter, all you have to do is head to www omag.org forward slash all access and click on the corresponding image at the top of the screen. The password for each episode will change, so make sure you are always up to date on the newest episode of OMAG All Access by subscribing with your favorite podcast app. Follow the directions on the giveaway page and you will be entered. Good luck. Our next option is if you are going to have to park where you, we want you to back in. If you don't have a pull-through, we want you to back in. And if you have a passenger with you, we want that passenger to be a spotter. Uh, so we, we have actually produced a, a training, web-based training, for all of our members. In fact, I did that a number of years ago down to our Norman uh, Service Center uh, so that we teach standardized signals, body placement, because you surely don't want to have an incident where, you know, the person that's spotting becomes an injured in, in the process of, of backing a person. So, so there's a little bit of risk involved with that, but uh, we've, we've uh, implemented uh, the backer process uh, where uh, there is a passenger. I am in agreement. If you look out in our parking lot, you'll see a lot of our people back in. Usually when we first get to a place, we have time to back into a space. And then our first motion when we leave is, is out. We may be in a hurry. Uh, a lot of law enforcement, a lot of fire departments, they back into their spaces because when they leave, it's going to most likely be for a call. So uh, they're in a rush. 
they may miss something. So do it when you, you have time. If you can back in, that's a, a real good policy. I and think. and if you can do it safely. Uh, there, yes. there are parking lot situations where if you pull into the parking lot and you attempt to back into a spot, you're probably going to have somebody on your on your rear bumper before you can put the vehicle into rearward motion. That is true. So that you have true. to be very selective, um, make sure that you can back safely. And then also you mentioned the, having the spotter, you know, especially in our big trucks, you know, where you have difficulty seeing. Having that spotter back there, having him in the rear view mirror where you can see him or the side mirrors where you can see him being trained so that both of you understand the hand signals and also giving verbal commands, having the window down or at least cracked where you can hear no radios going and things like that. So I appreciate you bringing that up. What are you guys' policies as far as uh, once you get in your vehicle and start it up and you're getting ready to back up, do you have any procedures that uh, you recommend for a driver before he backs up? Well, ideally, the driver would um, uh, enter the car after completing the 360, and they would do all of the perfunctory mirror adjustments and seat adjustments. Uh, many of our people share vehicles. We have mm-hmm. pool vehicles. You know, Cody has an assigned vehicle, so he doesn't have to adjust the seat every time or the mirrors. But uh, if you're in a pool vehicle, you're probably going to have to adjust the seat and adjust the mirrors. And we want that done before the, the vehicle is powered up. So you, you start making those adjustments. Make sure your seat belt's on. Make all of your adjustments. And then uh, once you start the vehicle, uh, we also recommend, a you know, before you put it into motion, you honk the horn uh, before you start your backwards motion with the vehicle. You got anything to add to that, Cody? Or? No, that was, that was spot on. That's what, <laughs> that's what okay. we recommend. Yeah. Very good. And I know a lot of people that I've observed, they have a tendency when they get in their vehicle, they'll do all these adjustments, everything. They'll feel like they're pretty well ready. They'll take the gear shifter and, and move it into reverse if they're backing up. And then they look over their shoulder to mm-hmm. check, you know, the, the blind spot, which uh, by then it's usually too late, yep. you know, if there's somebody who's walked behind you or something. So I always like to remind people, you know, before you take it out of gear or put it in gear, check your shoulder, check your blind spots and keep your head on a swivel. Don't just, you know, anticipate that everything is going to be fine. You know, Kip, there's one thing that I could add to the um, the backing up whenever you have a spotter. With what we talked about, you know, most of us drive, you know, passenger vehicles or half-ton pickups in our in our daily lives. But whenever you go out into, into the work environment, there's larger vehicles, the service trucks that we have, you mm-hmm. spoke about that earlier, you don't have a rear view mirror in those. So you use your side mirrors. And so if you're utilizing a spotter in that, you've got to make sure that your spotter is clear of where you want them to be whenever you start to look because that driver can only see down the vehicle with their side mirrors. They can't see another three to four feet past that mirrors capabilities. Right. And so you've got to be clear on where exactly they're going to stand. And then like what Bill had mentioned earlier, be clear on your hand signals because those vehicles are loud. You can hardly hear, uh, you know, communication from being 20 you know, plus feet away from that operator. So you've got to make sure everything's clear with where you're going, what you're doing, where you're going to stop, and how you're going to do that. So hand signals, making sure that both parties, the spotter and the driver, are on the same page before you back up. Because 
moving a vehicle like that and you're putting a spotter back there, mm -hmm. that's where Bill was, what he was mentioning about is that added risk that you're adding to the spotter is you're putting them back behind a vehicle when you're right. backing it up. Yeah, you so definitely you, want to be able to see them. Exactly. So that's where that added communication piece before they go back and everybody's clear of what, what you're doing and where you're standing makes that process safer. And I want to go to the the rear view mirrors and the, the side mirrors and everything. Do you guys, what, what kind of training do you give people as far as setting them? And especially if you have like, uh, I know in my personal vehicle, I've got, you know, my side mirror and then I've got a smaller kind of magnified mirror, you know, that kind of shows a little bit, but I don't use it very often. I just discovered it a few months ago and realized that, hey, this is a, a pretty handy little tool when I'm merging onto an interstate, I can see all the lanes. I don't just see, you know, what's right next to me. But how does how does a person set their mirrors so that they get maximum view of what's going on back behind them? You may cover that, Cody? Yeah. Go okay. Ahead. <clears throat> well, it's different today than it used to be, Kip, when you and I probably uh, were learning to drive. I still remember my high school driver education instructor, Ben Nelson in Sepulpa, uh, where I went to high school, and at that point in time, the instructions were set your mirror where you have just a little bit of your door handle, mm -hmm. uh, your body side in view, so you have a point of reference. Today, that, that's obsolete. Today, right. they, they ask you to set your mirror out so that you can pick up that blind spot to your left. Right. Uh, so that, that's something I think the National Safety Council probably made that that recommendation, oh, it's maybe 15, 20 years ago. It's, it's been a while now in, in regard to setting your mirror. Right. I contend, though, that that's still not, you still have to do your head checks. You know, if you've got an inside mirror, check the inside mirror, check your outside mirror. But before you push that vehicle over into the other lane, do that quick head check. Right. Looking over your shoulder yeah. to make sure that you can see through the blind spot. Very good. Yeah. And that's interesting, too. What you and I learned way back when I was taking driver's ed and everything. Of course, you had to manually adjust your mirrors. Nowadays, we have the, the easy job. You know, we just push a button and, and move it and everything. But still, uh, especially for your passenger side mirror, you've got to kind of move your head more to the center of the vehicle to properly adjust it is what I've learned from using uh, those tools. Anything else you guys want to bring up? not a whole lot of stuff that we, you know, need to talk about. I mean, there's a lot of stuff we need to know in doing this, but there's not really, it's all kind of common sense. You know, main thing is pay attention when you're walking out to your vehicle, what's going on around your vehicle, you know, and getting focused on that. But any other thoughts? Well, I, I would close up by saying that I think this is an important topic. And I think that the success of any organization is going to be dependent on leadership of that organization. And if the leadership sets that expectation, they're likely to get results. But the leadership has to clearly set that expectation. And there has to be a process for feedback when that expectation is not achieved. And so it, it's a continual effort. It never, it never stops. And it, it just, it's got to be every day that expectation is there. And if someone is observed not doing their 360, you know, they're re-instructed on that. And, and so it's got, you got to be intentional and it's got to be by design and it's got to be an expectation from your leadership. 
that's great information coming from a safety guy. You know, <laughs> I buy, bought into every bit of that. What do you think, Cody? Anything you want to say? What I would add to it is, is as technology advances and we have more uh, more tools at our at our disposal to to try to help us do backing uh, in a safe manner. The one thing is, is you, just like what we talked about with adjusting the mirrors and doing those things, is you always have to have the go-to, which is the side mirrors, and and utilizing that, and making sure that it's set up for you. Uh, we can't stress that enough, is because we talked about earlier. Whenever you're utilizing technology, environmental changes can block those those cameras. Mud can get on those sensors, and it, you know, and right there, they're out the window, and they're providing you with incorrect data. And so, the best thing you can do is utilize those mirrors, utilize the uh, the 360s, making sure that your path is clear and you know what it looks like before you put it into motion. So. Very good. Yeah, and I agree with Bill. The training is the most important thing. I mean, uh, we can use all these bells and whistles and, you know, special tools and things, but it still comes down to the human factor. And so we've got to, you know, train our people to be vigilant and, you know, be focused. And in doing these things that you guys have talked about, and I appreciate you coming out today, that is going to help in our situation with our cities and towns, help them save thousands and thousands of dollars in property damage, in uh, employees injured, in bodily injury to, you know, people that they accidentally run into. So would really like for them to uh, give it some thought. Have a conversation with, uh, you know, all their employees, the management, and uh, being vigilant about safety in our driving. Thank you guys very much for your time. I appreciate you being here. Glad to help. Thank you. We hope you can take something away from this podcast that will help your city or town. You can find more information about OMAG on our website at www.omag.org or on our Facebook page. Thanks for listening. If you have questions or ideas for a podcast topic, please send them to allaccess at omag.org. On the next episode of OMAG All Access. I would just like to really tip my hat to the pros that have rolled up their sleeves and, and they have their boots on day in and day out caring for these animals that that enter their facilities. This is not glamorous work. It's it's difficult work. It's not nine to five. It is, they see a lot of heartache come through their doors, abandoned animals, animals that are surrendered for one reason or another, animals that maybe have been hit by a car. And so they see some difficult things in their line of work and they, they do one heck of a job in saving those animals' lives and in being a community resource. And, and I think one of the things I'd really like to drive home in this podcast is to really elevate the idea among municipalities that animal shelters, their animal shelters and their animal services are every bit as important as the police and fire services in a community. This episode is copyright OMAG 2023 under the Creative Commons 4.0 Attribution Non-Commercial Non-Derivatives International License. For more information, please visit creativecommons.org.